0: The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying touch them all. Way back and gone! Touch them all, Joe Maurer! And now these guys are making it relevant to this year's Twins. Now, our two resident hardball nerds will attempt to touch them all on the week's news surrounding the Twins in MLB. Here's Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. All right, it's Touch 'Em All time after what, like a two week hiatus, which is totally my fault. I've been out and about and tending to some family stuff, but uh, the Twins are still in first place since the last time we, we knew they recorded would an episode. Be. We knew they would be. Yeah, it's it's. I feel like the Twins have been taunting Cleveland and just they're pretty much asking for Cleveland to to surge and move ahead in the division when. They continue to run out Matt Belial for crooked numbers <laughs> yeah, and geez. give up 14 runs to the Mariners. But then they bounce back and score 20 on their own. So we'll dive into some some topics, including I want to dole out some praise to praise in an area where I think we ignore it all too often. When on the flip side, we'll rip the Twins for something. So teasing okay. ahead a few all minutes. Right, wow, stick around. But we promised a couple weeks ago a Brian Dozier T-shirt giveaway yep. to... The uh, the emailer to your account, dwetmore at 1500 com that answers the following question correctly. And then we chose at random. Tom Roller, loyal listener Tom Roller yeah. to the Mackey and Judd show as well. So Tom Roller, you were correct. We had about a dozen correct answers and we, we picked randomly. And the question was, Miguel Sano, who's flirting with a 1,000 OPS on the season. It's just below 1,000 as we sit here on uh, this Thursday afternoon after the Mariner series. Name the three Twins players in team history who have finished the season with a 1,000 OPS or better. Harmon Killebrew. He was pretty good. Rod Carew. Yeah, he was a good hitter. And 2009 Joe Maurer.
1: Yeah, that was a good season. Yes,
0: MVP season for Joe Maurer. So congratulations to Tom Roller, and keep listening because we're going to just drop in random giveaways once in a while.
1: I mean, they're fun to do. We've got a lot of Twins stuff, and frankly, I don't put it on display at my house. I don't think you're walking around wearing your Brian Dozier shirt. So I tried to figure out, like... I tried to give this to my friends for years, like, hey, we have – and then eventually people – no, uncle, I don't need another uh, Twins magnet calendar or whatever. So, fine, we'll give it to the people that are bigger Twins fans anyway yeah. listening to the Touch 'Em All podcast.
0: I, I don't – I collect a lot of memorabilia and autographs and things. Yeah. And I just – I don't collect bobbleheads, and the Twins give away a ton of bobbleheads, and usually we're lucky enough to – they give them away to all the dudes in the press box, and sometimes yeah. they deliver to the radio station. So we've got a treasure trove of things that we collect throughout the
1: weeks and years and months. So uh, stay listening for your chance to win Twins Things. And congratulations, Tom. Um, but, Phil, can I ask you a question before we dive into doling out praise? Hmm. Um, this came up on your radio show while you were out, but I thought you might have a different reaction to the two guys uh, who were chatting about it. They, Dave your producer, and Judd, your co-host and mutual friend, we're talking about the, have you seen the story where the Cubs are selling the ivy from the wall of no. 2016? So the Cubs are selling uh, like 2,016 leaves of ivy from last year's World Series. Hmm. They, I guess it was on the fence and they collected it and pressed it or something. I don't know. They're selling each leaf for like 200 bucks plus. You got each, a each leaf? That's right and they're only selling 2016 so limited quantity is not just like oh, okay. they can't they're just they're not selling all the leaves no i mean like you can't just print off infinite ivy leaves and then make no but i'm saying are they i guess my
0: question is how many leaves are on that wall
1: and I, are got, they selling all the leaves right like it has to be thousands but well, they're selling 2016 they're doing that intentionally right okay to commemorate the first World Series in a hundred plus years, and I know you grew up a Cubs guy, so they're going to make a half million dollars. Well, whatever. I don't know how the numbers of, work out, but of I think vegetation I from think a brick so. wall. I think so. Yes, and they're going to and then I'm, pay would, Kyle
0: Schwarber's salary. Although it. I'm, I'm laughing Hold at on. this. Let I, me ask you a question. I almost bought a trough for three hundred dollars.
1: That oh. was for a gag. That was for a
0: gag. No, it was. It was mostly just because I gonna, wanted like, clean more bathroom space.
1: And- <laughs> I thought you were gonna clean it out and serve <laughs> drinks out of it or something um which I would never go over to your house if that was the case but but J- uh, Dave asked the question this was in questions mm. of significant importance and he said uh, you know something like would you buy that and Judd laughed at it no of course I wouldn't that's stupid you're all stupid why would you waste this money on it and I thought you might have a different answer He would paid a hundred dollars for a like a Blackhawk sweatshirt yeah and you bought a Michael Beasley toaster or cheese grater or whatever it was. That was right? discounted. That was twelve dollars. <laughs> so my question is, as a, as someone who grew up a Cubs fan and likes the memorabilia, you got the the uh, Michael Jordan stuff in your house. You mm-hmm. got these cool autographs and sports memorabilia. Would you have paid the the price for getting some Wrigley ivy from the World Series? Now,
0: if you could somehow get, say, Joe Madden's autograph without tearing the leaf to shreds, okay. Well, uh-huh. yeah,
1: let's say they press it, they, like, laminate it, put it in some plastic, and then yes. Joe Madden oh, best gosh. wishes.
0: It would be worth so much more than $200. Okay. Think about the uniqueness. Right. I mean, that's how they price memorabilia. When the All-Star Game was in town in 2014, and they had the the convention center had the All-Star Game, whatchamacallit, just the, the, little uh, like the fa- fan fest. Yeah. Yeah. And someone from one of the big memorabilia companies that authenticates – Bats from the 1940s and just different things, brought in a couple rare items, and, we, and I started asking this person questions because I collect cards, and I've collected not recently.: I, think I might
1: have been there with you. I remember this.: this You might, was might have 2014.: been been
0: So what makes something valuable? What makes an autograph ball valuable or less valuable yeah. compared to a bat or whatever he said? It's very simple: the rarity of it. And oftentimes, yeah. if it's older, it's more rare because things get lost or die off. And so he brought over, I want to say it was a a bat that Jackie Robinson used in the 1940s and let us hold this bat up on stage. And I believe it was worth $300,000. Not autographed, just a a bat that Jackie Robinson used in the 1940s. Wow. As opposed to just a bat that you would find at a Major League Baseball game now, which is maybe worth a couple hundred bucks because bats are kind of expensive and this was a game. So if they're limiting the amount of ivy that you can buy... To two thousand leaves, yeah. And if it's the first and only World Series the Cubs have won in a century, I would say two hundred dollars is might been a, a thousand pretty dollars. pretty fair price. That so, now if you
1: can you keep the leaf alive? That's what I so long okay, enough for it to gain value. You and I are on the exact same <laughs> track. Uh, first of all, I apologies knew you, to Twins fans for this. No, I knew you were going to say yes to that, and so I just wanted to ask because we're talking about things like bobbleheads and stuff, and and I sort of made it sound like I poo poo on that stuff. That's not true. I just, I mean, professionally don't take twin stuff, and secondly, I don't really value bobbleheads that much, and I know some people do, so we're just going to disagree on that, but things like the Ivy, what I first heard when they said the question, and of course, both of your curmudgeonly co-hosts crapped on that, I think... I think Dave is like 32 going on 97. They're both very miserable to be around, but I love them. And Judd is 47 going on 107. So the two of them, of course, we're going to say this is a stupid waste of money, and they were going to go continue to waste their money on the things they like to waste it on. Whereas you, Phil, I thought you might want to commemorate it more, not just because of the Cubs connection, but that's like a cool piece of history. I'm all about experience. My first thought was, what if you could just get like— like some of the living ivy, and then plant it in your own garden and have it go over one of those like rose bush. So uh, you'd have your own ivy in your. You some can then do that. grow, you can transplant the wriggly ivy and have that growing in your garden. I thought that would be worth way more oh. than $200, but. Alas, I think they're only selling individual leaves, and I think that uh, I didn't get a vote on questions of significant
0: importance. I think we should start our own additional spinoff podcast, Deep Thoughts About Memorabilia and <laughs> Economics of Memorabilia. Well,
1: this would be a great one to start <laughs> with.
0: I'm looking at—so we're sitting here at Target Field. It's, it's cleared out, and uh, the, the Mariners have probably left town by now. Twins split the four-game series with Seattle. We're sitting here on this Thursday— and the twins are still 2 games up on cleveland in the american league central as of this recording 5 games above 500 and i want to tell you how bleeping miraculous this is when i look at the 24 pitchers the twins have used so far this season
1: mm-hmm.
0: they and the run differential is a minus 24 and ordinarily, over the course of six months, with some exceptions, the Orioles a few years ago had a minus run differential for much of the season, still finished with 90-plus wins. They won every one-run game in the yeah. season, if I recall. And the Twins are doing very well in one and two-run games. Mm-hmm. Your run differential eventually merges closer to your record and vice versa. And it's not your run differential that adjusts to your yeah, record. It's the other ask. way around. <laughs> like well, it's not. Good. They scored 20
1: the <laughs> other night. That's a plus 13. Right.
0: Uh, so, so if this were to continue, where they're just they're minus twenty four, they're yeah. minus whatever, I wouldn't expect them to be in first place in two months from now. However, How- in the words of Stephen oh, well. A. Smith, however, uh, it, it is odd that a lot of the the minus differentials have come in isolated silos where they'll give up seventeen runs to the a- ca- minus forty came in one series or yeah. minus thirty they'll get drubbed 14 to 3 by the mariners. It hasn't been a steady flow of 5 to 1 for standard baseball scores. Yep. It's it's the it's pretty much the Chris Jimenez games yeah. that they've that they've fallen below the oh man. I the was gonna... mark. He's pitched five or six times, and it's always because they're down by. Uh, I was going to take the runs.
1: cheap shot. I was going to say, do you mean the Matt Belisle games? That's, those two, they yes. kind of go
0: hand. in. Usually, it's Matt Belisle, and then the result of him being in the game in those instances is We'd well, now we got to bring Chris Jimenez him. in. So I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, this team. Can't continue on with a minus 24, or minus 30 run differential and expect to be a playoff team. And it's amazing that with the 24 pitchers they've rolled out, four of whom I trust, they're still somehow five games yeah. above 500, but they don't have to apologize for any of their wins. Right. they don't have to apologize for being almost halfway through the season or a third of the way through the season and sitting in first place. They don't get they don't have to give those back. They exactly. can work off of what their record is right now, make some tweaks and uh
1: and maybe still be in this thing. There's no question they have to improve. But I am very much in line with you on that they don't have to say, "Well, I'm sorry. Yeah, we should go lose some one-run games." And man, yeah, we should outscore our opponents for the next month, but make sure we lose more than we win. They they don't have to do that to even it out. The ledger is what it is, and now it's almost like you're – I think about it like you kind of start a new season every every two weeks or something. That's sort of just the way I think about it. Some people like to split it into 40-game chunks or mathematical first half and second half or pre-All-Star break and post all I think of the season in like series of two-week swings, whether you're on the home or the road, you know. Uh, whether you're at home or on the road, uh, which I know a lot is being made of that record, I don't really look into that very much.
0: It is kind of weird, though. That it's weird. They're 14 and 20 at home and 20 and nine on the road. I it's think weird. those are both going to regress back toward the other direction as the season goes
1: on. Yeah, and I'm—I mean, I don't have a good explanation for it, but that, and that doesn't mean it means nothing. I just think it's probably getting too much play for what it's worth. It's a. It's a statistical quirk worthy of noting, and it's turned into the storyline of the 2017 Twins. I think we've gone f- way too far in covering the home-road split. Maybe it's like the NBA
0: theory, that maybe the Twin Twins have a lot of single guys on their team, mm-hmm. and instead of going out to the clubs late at night and waking up with only three hours of sleep, they're connecting with their... Uh, They're female. They're on Tinder. Yeah, they're on Tinder, and then they're hitting hitting gals up on Instagram. Not sure about that. NBA road performances are much better now than they were 20 years ago, according (laughs) to the studies.
1: I'm not sure about that, but (laughs) I'll have to do some digging. Um, I, I I just think that the twins are where they are, and I think that they can get better. Like I still see ways that this twins team can improve, and I, you know, when. When Derek Falvey took over, when Thad Levine was hired, I sort of felt like, all right, give these guys a chance. Let's see. But I am now so much more of the idea that these guys are really, um, what's the best way to put it, uh, competent at what they're doing. But they, I mean, they're always two steps ahead. I, I'll see them do something and think, oh, yeah, that's smart. Not, hey, they should do this. And then they do it and think, see, I told you. But when they are just always um, sort of on the front end of things, it makes me think, okay, well, how are they going to be on the front end next? Like, what's the mm-hmm. next thing that they're going to do to fix this team? So it's sort of a li- it's a little bit of, I was going to say blind faith, but it's more like informed faith that these guys are going to put their roster in a position to contend. Um, I asked you this uh, before we started the podcast. I'll ask you again. Do you think that this Twins team, where they are right now, and you know they can tweak their roster whatever going forward. But fast forward this thing to October tenth, are the Twins still playing baseball? Um, man,
0: I, I would say barring a roster tweak that helps pitching, whether it's a surprise person coming up from the minors or a couple bullpen guys or a trade or two, I or don't, three. yeah, I don't think they hang on. So I okay. would say I would right. say no because I don't know what those moves are. I don't know does. Does Steven Gonzalez come up and become a viable starter in the second half of the season? Sure. I, I don't. I don't think that's likely. I don't. I don't know. Does Phil Hughes come back and pitch well? It seems unlikely.
1: Yeah.
0: Hector Santiago has been. You know, he's on the disabled list right now. I don't. When I again, when I stare at the twenty four pitchers they've used, and I trust four of them: Irvin Santana, Jose Barrios. I trust Brandon Kinsler and Tyler Duffy in the bullpen. Taylor Rogers has been pretty good too, so you could debate I'll a fifth one. Rogers. So let's let's call it five, you could debate it. But none of those bullpen guys I feel comfortable with compared to Kenley Jansen or, oh, sure. or Aldous Chapman or some of the, yeah. look at some of the playoff teams that you aspire to be like.
1: I like Tyler Duffy. He's not Andrew Miller.
0: No, Brandon Kinsler, Tyler Duffy, and Taylor Rogers, if you're ranking if you have seven guys in your bullpen, and number one is your ace reliever, number one and number two are like your closer slash ace relievers in, in any given order. Kinsler, Duffy, and Rogers aren't in those spots. Long t- I think they're good as sixth, seventh, you know, bridge options. I don't think Brandon Kinsler is the guy I want with the game on the line all the time. That's what Andrew Miller is, yeah, and Kenley Jansen sure is, and Dylan Betances is when those guys are healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. As you as you push forward, can you add a piece that makes you feel more comfortable? Not frying those guys out. In addition to them just not being as good as some of the other relievers that you're competing against.
1: Right. Well, I mean, I'll flip it around. I think that they can, and it's because of what I said. Like, I get it. I look at the regression that's coming too. I mean, Miguel Sano wasn't going to be an MVP all year. Maybe maybe he'll go back to being that. Irvin Santana wasn't going to have a 0.66 ERA. I, I get that. Um I was impressed with Barreos' start today. I think he's a real legit starter, so now you have two and they've and, won six of his seven games that yeah. he's pitched so far. And like I don't like pitcher wins, but that to me matters. No, I when mean you, like the team has won. Right, I know, I know. Um but like I so, he also coincidentally has six wins. Weird. Yeah. So that's what I mean is that some <laughs> people will say like, yeah, he's a He's, basically, he's in his second year, and he's got six wins. He's on pace for this and that. I don't care about pitcher wins, but I care that he goes out there and pitches eight and basically doesn't give the other team a chance to win, especially with the way the Twins are hitting right now. The Twins legitimately have a top ten offense in baseball, and if you pair that with a pitching staff that's at least okay, you're in business. Now, the problem is the pitching staff hasn't been okay. They don't have starters after Barrios and Santana. They don't have anyone that you trust. You know, maybe Phil Hughes comes back, maybe Hector Santiago comes back, the healthy version of Hector Santiago, Mm -hmm. and stops getting rocked. Um, But, you know, do you trust Kyle Gibson? Almost definitely not. So there, there are a lot of holes that I could poke in their rotation, their bullpen. I think that both are going to be a problem at some point if they don't fix it. But I think that they're within their rights to fix it, and you pair that with this offense, now you're talking. I want to compare it to a Vikings example that we talked about last year. And it's how I feel about the current Vikings, but I know this isn't a Vikings podcast, so we won't dive deep on it. The Vikings had the worst offensive line in football, and TJ Clemmings is maybe the worst player any of us have ever seen. Well, now you look around the Twins, and they have the worst bullpen in baseball. I'm not saying, you know, that in, in itself is a death sentence, although I kind of think that it is. If you improve that, if you take the worst offensive line... And sign a couple guys, move somebody from inside, move them to guard, and now you have just sort of through manipulation and through bringing in new players, you go from the 32nd best offensive line to, like, the 20th, which you're still a bad offensive line. But that improvement is significant enough to me that I think the Vikings could be competitive mm-hmm. and Sam Bradford could be better. All those things. I'll, I'll bring it back to the Twins because this is a baseball podcast, but you don't have to go from... Brandon Kinsler to Andrew Miller. But you if, don't if, have if
0: you want to win the World Series, for sure, that's do. not what the question was. But if you want
1: yeah. the are, second wild card spot, yep, are you going to sneak into the postseason? I think that the answer can be yes because you you can go from league worst bullpen to just kind of a bad you don't have to be the Houston Astros and have like your 6th inning guy have a, you know, 27% strikeout rate and just be unhittable and yeah. once the game gets to the 6th inning with a lead, it's over. That's not going to be the case with this year's Twins. Can they be more competent? Can they stop having guys give up five spots? Can Ryan Presley shave his ERA from nine point five to three point five? I think these things could be possible, which is why I give the Twins actually a fighting chance to make the postseason.
0: So I want to I want to lay out another reason why I'm not buying playoff stock necessarily. I'm I'm holding firm right now, but I want to add to your argument in just a second here, but. Uh, There are sponsors that help us keep this podcast running on a regular basis for you Twins fans, and one of them is Luther Brookdale Toyota, our good friends on the corner of 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard in the Twin Cities, and so I'm 32 years old now, so half my life since the day I got my license at age 16, I've been taking vehicles to Luther Brookdale Toyota. My family's been going there for 30, 35 years or so. And I know there are a ton of dealerships and service departments around the Twin Cities. You're driving around and you see them all over the place. Find out for yourself. I just recommend stop in, say hi to my friends, a first name basis. If you're friends with the podcast, you're friends with them too. Steve and Dwayne and Jeremy telling me listen to uh, to the Touch 'Em All podcast with Mackie and Wetmore, and uh, and they will uh, they'll probably talk some sports with you. But you'll find out the facility, the people, everything involved. Why we haven't even considered another dealership in my 16 years driving and 3 plus decades. So, corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard, Luther com. Back to this Twins conversation here, Derek. Mm-hmm. So, I think we have to recalibrate what we think and know a playoff team looks like cuz we've all, you know, and you and I aren't, you know, I was born in the 80s, you were born in the 90s and so the playoff format changed pretty quickly. You don't even really remember the two division setup. It was a three yeah, division know, setup when you start watching baseball. Yep. I remember the two-division setup where they took the winner of the East, the winner of the West in each league, and then those two teams played in the uh, the, the pennant series, the, mm-hmm. the championship series, and then you had the World Series. And then they added the third division, so you had the extra division series for 20 years, and now you've got this extra wildcard team. So we keep adding layers to the to the playoffs, but I don't know if we've officially changed our perception of what a playoff team looks and feels like. Sure. 20 years ago, the Twins in 1992 or 25 years ago— They actually won 92 games or 93 games and didn't make the playoffs. You had to win. Now, in 87, they didn't win 90. It was a weak division. They took advantage. They won the World Series. But in our heads, I feel like we have this idea in baseball because of decades and decades of 90 to 95 to 100 win team to make the playoffs and three solid starting pitchers and a closer and a setup guy. And if you don't have those things, good luck making the playoffs. Well, now that five teams make it to the postseason from each league, You get these low-hanging fruit second wildcard teams. A few years ago, the Astros won 86 games, and the Twins, an 83-win team, were fighting until the last weekend just to get to the mid-80s and wins. You don't have to always have three really good starting pitchers and a closer and a setup guy to win 85 or 86. And I went to numberfire.com, and this is not to be taken as gospel, but I went to numberfire.com. Just to see what the remaining projected win, re- remaining schedule projected win totals are for okay. each team in baseball. All right. Now the Astros are about thirty games over five hundred already. Number Fire has them winning a hundred,
1: so Could cooling off it.
0: a little bit, but but winning a hundred games. Good baseball team.
1: Yep. That's the conclusion that I've come to after two and a half months. Yep. Number Fire also has the Yankees, who I
0: believe are thirteen games over five hundred right now, winning ninety two or ninety three. Okay. They don't have any other 90-win teams in the American League. Wow. Now, the Red Sox have gotten hot lately. They've got the Red Sox around 89 wins. And they have the Indians winning the division with 86. Wow. Twins at 80 wins. So the Twins finishing right around 500. But if you look up and down the American League, just look at the records right now. Forget about number fire even. No one's pulling away except for the Astros and the Yankees. Yeah. So if... Unless Cleveland hits the gas pedal or There's a lot of flawed teams in the American League You can be a flawed team, especially This year, and stumble your way Into a coin flip playoff game yep. With an 85 win record mm-hmm. That's the new reality in baseball yeah. So, yes, this team Has flaws, This team's this team Emerging into relevancy is not a Completed process yet, but it Might be that they are relevant The rest of the year because of the flaws In and around the American League
1: Yeah, I think we've talked about this before but i think that there are different tiers of teams there are world series contenders there are post-season teams there are post-season hopefuls and then there are the also rands and last year obviously the twins were also rands in fact they were more like they were walking they were like also tripped <laughs> but there were some yeah, let's rewind it two years 2015 they were postseason hopefuls. You mentioned I always, I always feel like people have kind of oversold the success of that season. It was a 500 club that won two extra games. 83 wins is nothing to celebrate, but, but the, mathematically, I mean, they were in contention until that last weekend until they got their tails kicked by the. I Royals believe at one point they
0: weekend. were double digit games over 500. Sorry, I have an ice cube in my mouth. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> um, they were like double digit games over 500 early,
1: yeah, and then kind of faded later. Well. A st- yeah, I mean, the 2015 uh, Yeah, I agree. Like, they had a great May, and otherwise they were kind of, eh. But they're still in that—they're not in that last tier. And that's what I think about, like, this Twins team. Are they World Series contenders? No, they're, I don't think there's any way. I mean, short of Irvin Santana going back to the guy he was, and Jose Borrell's keeping this up all year, and then adding another starter, and then fixing your bullpen, and making sure you keep this top-ten offense— Okay, well all right now you're I guess you're a World Series contender because Irvin Santana can go toe to toe with anybody with a 0.6 era. Mm-hmm. But short of that, you're just like you're a postseason hopeful and I mean I just I try to separate those in my brain like the Astros are a World Series contender. The Nationals are a World Series contender. The Yankees. Certainly are playing like a World Series contender. And I would throw have, the Red Sox in that. The mix Yankees too.
0: need one more really good starting pitcher for me to feel good. They yeah. have. They could trade Greg Bird tomorrow or sure. you know, whoever the. Hey,
1: uh, Gleber Torres, do you want to? You want to make a move for uh, Irvin Santana? Uh, um, that that would change what I think, uh, probably about, um, the Twins. I I would flip from. Buyers to seller, but right now I think the twins are buyers. I think that's been the argument. I've heard that too much recently, so like I'm not going to make this podcast about that. Uh, what well, should the twins be buyers? Well, I don't know. Let's figure out where they are on July 15th before we even start entertaining this. Where are they at the all star break? It is kind of weird the way that the all star break fits. Like baseball should probably do something about the schedule, that's another podcast, but like. You get you send off a guy to the All-Star break, in last year, like Eduardo Nunez, he's your Twins representative, you know, it's, wow, what a fascinating start to the season for a guy who I think is kind of like an extra player, although he's having a good year offensively this year again, and then a week later, he's shipped off at the deadline, it's just, it's kind of a weird mix, mm-hmm. But but right now, I think that the Twins are buyers, I think that they need relievers, maybe they get those in the minor leagues, probably they also need a trade, could they pull off a trade for a starting pitcher? I that's possible. There's a lot of relievers out there. A lot. Pat
0: Neshek with the Phillies.
1: Yeah, I is like a Neshek. really
0: really logical fit. Pat Neshek. I don't know. I, I brought up David Robertson from the White Sox sure. with a year and a half left and about 18 million left on his contract. Yep and the the White Sox don't need an $18 million the next year and a half closer. Now, could the Twins eat some of that money and give up less of a prospect to get him? I don't know if they would be willing to eat some of that money. We'd have to find out, but there's a a lot of
1: options out there. Anything like that. If I'm the Twins, I'm looking at a potential upgrade right now. So I I don't know what the answer is going to be. I don't know if that's even their thought process. Maybe they're going and saying— Hey, let's sit on our hands and let's see if we fall out of contention. And if so, then there won't be any pressure to add guys. In fact, let's maybe try to trade, Irvin Santana and or Brian Dozier and or Brandon Kinsler and or Kenny Vargas and or Eddie Rosario and or Robbie Grossman. This Actually, team has some interesting trade chips. Um, but I I don't know where the Twins are going to sit when that deadline comes down.
0: Early preview for our Friday Mackie and Judd write that down segment. Okay, you okay. heard it, you heard it here first, and okay. I will say it again tomorrow on the radio show. Right. I believe Eddie Rosario gets traded before the beginning of next season. I think these guys value, Derek Falvey and Thad Levine, value on-base percentage so much, and that's why Robbie Grossman has been in the top four spots in the order, even from the start of the season. It's why Kenny Vargas was sent down to the minor leagues a couple weeks ago and probably gets sent down again. He hits for power, doesn't get on-base. It's why Byung-Ho Park is not on the roster, doesn't get on-base enough. Eddie Rosario is an exciting player, hits for power, and plays a pretty good left field, but some other team probably values him more than a Twins team with options in and around the outfield and uh, a guy who gets on base at like a 285 or 290 clip. You Wouldn't know who, shock me if they traded him.
1: You know who I want to see in left field for the Twins pretty soon? I'm trying to think.
0: Somebody not on the roster right now? Yep. Oh, how about uh, the 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 SEC
1: masher that they just drafted oh, yeah. with the 35th overall pick, Rooker? <laughs> Brent Rooker.
0: Seriously, I mean, the guy's 23. I know,
1: yeah. And, well, somebody and asked him.
0: slugged 900 off SEC pitchers. I was
1: kind of laughing when somebody asked him if uh, Rook, with a straight face, the first question was, uh, will he start at double A? And like, well, no, probably not. I mean, he might get there quickly. He could start
0: at four Myers. <laughs> what, if,
1: what if I said, will he start at double A? No, he'll start at DH. No, he'll start in left <laughs> field. The Twins. Oh.
0: No, I asked about no tomorrow night for us.
1: <laughs> no, I want to see. I So I think we're on the same page here. I think Eddie Rosario is way overrated by the fans. I think Kenny Vargas is probably way overrated by fans. Um, I want to see Robbie Grossman as the DH, and I want to see Zach Granite in left field okay. at some point here for the Twins. He's on a tear at Rochester. He's on the roster. See what you got with him. I know Eddie Rosario hit three home runs the other day, uh, which I got a fun stat for you. I don't think you would have seen this. Uh, um so a couple of things zach granite's been on a tear in rochester i'm curious to see what you have there maybe it gives you a little bit of boost i'm not saying he's like a five win player right now but i'd be curious to see him before rosario hit those home runs he had like a 275 on base percentage something ridiculous like most hitters who hit like that are in the minor leagues and rosario was sort of the unquestioned left fielder until about a week and a half ago and he's been getting benched a lot and and then he comes back with a vengeance and hits three home runs. Here's my fun stat. Scooter Jeanette the other day, uh, was what a couple of weeks ago, hit four home runs in a game and, that's really cool. Only 17 guys have done that before. Judd thinks it's cooler than no hitter. I think Judd's a nincompoop. Um, <laughs> I think
0: Judd's a nincompoop for reasons other than. No, that's <laughs> right. Un- unrelated to that.
1: Uh, it's cool. Not going to argue that. Four home runs in a game does not happen very often. It's a very celebrated list, and now Scooter Jeanette is on it. And it's kind of fun and quirky that he didn't have very many home runs and then hit four. He has 42 home, 42 career home runs now, which means that 9.5% of his career home came runs came on game. that day. Scooter Jeanette Eddie Rosario hit three home runs and now has 31 career home runs, meaning that 9.7% of his career home runs mm-hmm. came on that day. Eddie Rosario's was more improbable oh. than Scooter Jeanette. Now, Jeanette's That's been in the home. league longer, right? I know. I'm <laughs> cheating, <laughs> but it was funny. And, it, and, and, not trying to take anything away from it. Great day for Eddie Rosario. I said at the beginning of last year that if he doesn't change his approach at the plate, I think he's a fourth outfielder. I think he's a fourth outfielder. Good defense. He makes some questionable decisions like throws to bases and stuff like that, but I really do like his range. And for the most part, when he makes the right decision, he's got a strong, accurate throwing arm. So I like Eddie Rosario, but to lump him in the same conversation with guys who have the promise of a Byron Buxton or a guy who's like sort of already arrived in Max Kepler. I always thought that was giving Rosario too much credit. And now we're sort of at a point where, Hey, if you're dragging down the lineup offensively, you know, if you're if you're Jorge Polanco and trending in the wrong direction, you might get benched. If you're so, Eddie Rosario, you might get benched.
0: The Zach Granite thing, I haven't followed that close to the season. I know he was uh, he was definitely in camp for a
1: while, yep, right? He so was you in saw camp and he involved. got hurt, so he wasn't at you know he wasn't available for the first couple weeks, whatever of the season. But he's come back and and he is roaring. So at he AAA has Rochester.
0: yeah, the, the, he's hitting three thirty five for AAA Rochester. 13 steals, three caught. He, he stole 56 bases for Chattanooga last year, caught 14 times, mm-hmm. batted 295, 347 on base. Not a lot of power, but doesn't strike out, makes a ton of contact. He's a center fielder, so you'd have a center fielder playing a corner outfield spot. You'd have You're kinda... de- and, and Rosario's a good defender, too. Yeah, yeah I, 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 even more reason for why Rosario might be expendable. Yeah. Real quick, as we talk about even Rosario and Zach Granite, I teased this like a half hour ago at the beginning of the episode. It's really easy to sit, and and fans do it, media does it, and I think some of it's warranted to take shots at the Twins for not developing pitcher prospects or watching Aaron Hicks go to the Yankees and explode after leaving the Twins or Carlos Gomez. And, And again, some of it's rightfully so. The Twins haven't developed a pitcher in years. The Twins haven't had... Barrios is going to be the first one since pre Tommy John Liriano and then Johan before him. There's just they just aren't pumping out and they're rippable for those things. Yeah. It's but it's become really easy to take shots at the Twins for not getting the most out of their young players and ignore the stories when they do. Miguel Sano is going to hit 40 home runs this year, 35-40 home runs. He's going to wind up with a 900 OPS. He's going to drive in over 100. And Bill Smith signed him when Mm -hmm. he was 16 years old. Miguel Sano is an absolute gem of a prospect that turned into one of the best hitters in baseball. Max Kepler. You know, Max Kepler now has 700 career plate appearances. So just over the equivalent of a full season. 25 homers over that first chunk of plate appearances. 91 RBIs. 86 runs scored. He's uh, 315 on base, which isn't a train wreck, and he's young and getting better. And he also has nine stolen bases. So Max Kepler, getting better, very good hitter, cerebral. Jose Barrios now, light bulb is on. The guy's been awesome through seven starts so far this season. Yep. And so uh, it's not just that they have failed always. There are some success stories in here. Eddie Rosario has been a quality player for the most part, maybe a little bit overrated but uh, exciting, extra base hits, plays good defense in left field. So they've, they've got some stuff here, and I, I, I think Derek Falvey and Thad Levine, A, have stuff in the cupboards that they've been able to use, but B, are able to maybe take some of those talents to the next level and maybe even sell high and buy low in instances where Terry Ryan and Bill Smith didn't. Eddie Rosario, for instance, is a great sell-high candidate to a team that doesn't care as much about his low on base and just needs quality outfielders. If you think Zach Granite can step in and play left field and be a two win above replacement player, or maybe even better than that, you pull the trigger if you can get a pitcher for Eddie Rosario.
1: Yeah, I am curious. I am really, cu- you know, not that I want this uh, this ride to end in terms of the Twins being competitive for a for a postseason spot. I, I I don't think it will. I made that clear. But if it does, if they just go in a nosedive. Just awful baseball for three weeks and they're out of it. Very curious to see who gets, who's on the trade block, who is drawing interest from other teams. I kind of know the guys who other teams would want. I'm curious to know, will the Twins move on from that? You know, I listed maybe a half a dozen guys earlier, and there's probably more than that, especially if you go to the pitching side of things. I don't know how baseball values the Twins' talent. And frankly, I don't know without... You know, with 100% certainty, how the Twins value the Twins' talent. So there's, it's a learning process for me. I think that it is for you and the Twins right now. Their, their new brain trust is still sort of learning the roster. I think they've done a great job with churning the roster. They don't overvalue guys who are the 39th and 40th guy on the 40-man roster. They just callously DFA them and say, hey, all right, well, you can't help us the next two days. You're off the roster uh i I think that's helped them get the most out of their pitching staff and still (laughs) it's a very bad pitching staff so it's going to be a multi-year process to make that a good pitching staff but i'm just i don't know there's just this like nagging curiosity of are we seeing eye to eye on how good these players are or are are there some wide gaps in how i view them how how fans view them how the twins view them how other front offices view them I think that'll start to come into focus more in the next, like, two, three, four, five weeks. Yeah,
0: it'll it'll be fun. I, I'm pleasantly surprised that we're sitting here in the middle of June and talking about a, a relevant, not kind of a fringe-relevant team, but a first-place baseball team. I think it's been fun.
1: I think they're easily going to get us to training camp when the joke at the beginning of the season was... Come on, twins. Just get us you to Texas. We day. always say that about
0: training camp too. Just get us to training camp. And then we realize about three hours into training camp how boring it is
1: to watch punters practice in shorts. It's I'm ridiculous. not gonna I'm not even gonna hide that opinion. We I hate training. Sh- we camp.
0: should demand more than our baseball team just getting us to training camp. Get us to week one <laughs> or get us to October, dang it. By the way, uh we're gonna give you guys another episode of Touch 'Em All here in the next couple days, so we're going to uh, we're going to give draft. you two episodes this week.
1: Yep, there's got a lot of focus on some of the new prospects, some of the guy at the top. I would imagine be a big part of that. Uh, that'll be a fun podcast. Yeah,
0: some things we have been doing some digging this week to find out exactly why the Twins did what they did during the draft, before and after the draft, and we got some information we're going to give to you. So keep your eye on the and your ear on the Touch 'Em All podcast feed. And hey. Since you're still listening, you obviously well you either fell asleep and are waking up and you're wondering what's happening, or you like this podcast, if you could spread the word, tell your friends about the Touch em All podcast. We would always appreciate a five-star rating or even just sharing our stuff on social media to let people know, hey, this team is relevant, and there's a couple of dudes who don't really know much, but they talk about
1: the team. That would be awesome. They do talk for a long time. I have to give a <laughs> shout-out to anyone who is reviewed our podcast before remember one time phil we asked people to say um that our podcast is not historically bad or like not great but not historically bad there was like five people that took us up on that (laughs) so we've got these five star reviews on itunes right now that say not historically bad and i love it there's there's a little tongue-in-cheek but you guys also must have liked the podcast a little bit so thank you thank you thank you keep those coming
0: Look for specially marked packaging and visit MTNDUGaming.com
1: for details and restrictions. Open to U.S. residents 17 plus. College duty points available on 12 and 24 packs and free twenty eight twenty-three.